Welcome to Home But Not Alone with Tim and Sarah, where we talk about real life as a stay-at-home Catholic parent. If it's noon and you're still in your pajamas, have reheated your coffee three times, and tried to pray but got distracted, this is the place for you. Life is crazy, but through it all, remember, you're never alone. You've got God's grace and our friendship coming your way. Here we go. Welcome back to Home But Not Alone. Today we're diving into scripture. So as Catholics, we really are called to live biblically. And sometimes we joke that Catholics don't know our Bibles, um, as I showed in messing up a recent show by telling, mixing up your Bible stories, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but we have, we really do have to have a relationship with the living word of God, along with our love for the traditions and the magisterium. Um, and we, we have to have all three there in order to live out our lives as true Catholic Christians. So today we're going to focus on scripture verses, uh, particularly those that help us as parents. Hey, Tim. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Doing good. Uh, we have a sponsor today. Can I tell you about our sponsor? Please tell us. So our sponsor today is Deanna Bartolini. On her website, Live Not Lukewarm, and we'll put the link in the bio for you, Deanna creates courses to help you live your Catholic faith. These courses are for a person who just wants to know more, has questions, and wants answers spoken clearly and simply. So both live and recorded, the courses are made for those who are interested in learning more about the faith and or, or having scripture study, which is perfect for today's topic. So go check it out at DeannaBartolini.com under the Live Not Lukewarm community heading, and we'll put a link right in the show notes for you so you can find all that. So thank you, Deanna, uh, for sponsoring our show today. Woo, yay. So, okay, so today we're talking scripture. All right, so we've got some scripture verses for, and I know there's so much in there. Like, I feel like when you pick up the Bible, sometimes it's like, where do I start? What do I, I don't know. And sometimes it can be, we can misuse the Bible, especially if we do want to just pick out one scripture and feel like, oh, this is just a quotable thing and take it out of context. Well, today we're going to take things out of context somewhat sometimes, and other times <laughs> we're going to put them in context. So don't worry. Um, but we need to always be careful with that, that we don't just randomly pick at things. And that being said, the first thing I have, I have no context for this. I have no idea what Jesus was saying here, what was going on. Um, but there's a scripture verse I pulled out, and it's Luke 24, 41. And it says, while they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he, that being Jesus, he asked them, have you anything here to eat? And I thought, is there a more parenting-related scripture verse than someone asking someone, is there any? food around here. I just, I feel like that's said in my house about 400 times a day. Uh, and yeah. that's just for me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But by the, the kids, they're constantly asking for food. And I think on one hand, they're asking because they're maybe bored or they're genuinely hungry or, you know, they desire this, you know, there's a, a desire they have for food, yeah. for nourishment, for whatever. Um, but it's just really nice to see that Jesus also said, you, you got anything to eat? Anything in there? Uh, oh, fridge man. empty? My, my kids have been asking this constantly because I have been trying to go as long as possible between shopping because grocery shopping right now is just pure torture. Um, so I've been trying to stretch it as far as we can. But that means that at the end of two weeks or three weeks, there's practically nothing in the house. Like I have to be super creative in order to come up with food. So the kids get up in the morning and it's legitimate. They're like, 
what is there to eat? <laughs> Do you have anything to eat for breakfast, Mom? And it's like, uh, I don't know. We're going to have to figure this one out. So that's uh, a good one. We, good got, we got green beans <laughs> and a uh, little not bit after, of... <laughs> not green beans after three weeks of not shopping. Oh, that's <laughs> All <the> true. <laughs> Oh, All the so fresh bad. food is gone. It's like, you guys can boil some noodles for breakfast or something. I don't know. Anything, <laughs> whatever's in the pantry. <laughs> do you ever get frozen vegetables? Sometimes. Okay, because we love yeah. little bags of frozen vegetables. Yeah. Because we have a microwave and we throw them in oh. there. And sometimes it's like... Microwave. I know, that's why I brought it. <laughs> because we'll throw them in there and be like, what? You just, oh man, we need to feed the kids vegetables. And then we'll just grab a bag and just toss it in there like, boom, five yeah. minutes comes out finished and sometimes life is so crazy sometimes daily life is so crazy that it's like i'm just gonna make the other part of the meal and then this is the only way my kids are getting vegetables but they're yeah. getting them i do frozen um, vegetables more often in the winter when you can't get good fresh vegetables but i don't know i like my fresh vegetables usually we in the summer we do have a bag of like corn or peas or something for owies okay yeah but that's, that's smart it. That's smart. All right. We both have lists. Should we go back and forth or should we just re read them? As oh, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Okay. So here's one that I always love. Um, so this is in Matthew chapter three, um, verse 17, um, after the baptism of Jesus. So John the Baptist is baptizing. Jesus shows up. Um, and, you know, to go through the whole thing, Jesus asks to be baptized. And then he's coming out of the water and, you know, the, the Holy Spirit uh, comes down from the sky in the form of the dove. And this voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And so there are two times um, that this voice from heaven kind of speaks like this over Jesus in the gospel. So this is one time at the very beginning of his ministry. And then the other time is at the transfiguration. I didn't write, I didn't copy down in the notes exactly what he says in the transfiguration. It's very similar. This is my beloved son. Um, but just he's starting out his ministry with this encouragement from God the Father. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is like the first, you know, he's, he's getting baptized. Bam, his public ministry starts. And he starts with this encouragement of the Father. So I always think of this like... Don't I want to hear those words of encouragement so much from God, my father? Like, won't that be the best thing on the day when you see God face to face up and, you know, he's going to let you into heaven. He says, you're my beloved child. I am well pleased with you. Like, how motivating is that? So I try to remember that as a parent, um, you know, we got to discipline our kids a lot sometimes. Um, but a lot of times really encouragement um, can go a long way to getting them like setting them on the path of their mission in life and their vocation and, and you know, sending them off into the world to do what it is they need to do. Um, just telling them when you're pleased with them and revealing that to them um, because kids don't always know that intuitively if we don't say it to them. Um, so yeah, I definitely think of this verse as a reminder to tell my kids like, I'm proud of you or, you know, wow, that makes me so happy that you, whatever. So that's why I love that verse. That's really good. I, I remember about a year and a half ago, I was rocking my son and he was sleeping and I just said something like that to him. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's how God feels about me. Except yeah. like so much more because God is love and I'm just capable of love. And like, it's, yeah. So just that very concept suddenly repositioned how I view myself and my sonship to the father. So um, anyway, good verse. I like that. Um, that being said, if I said bad verse, would that be it's a holy scripture? I don't think there's anywhere I could say bad verse. That would be, that would be problematic on so many levels. Oh, man. Uh, no. OK, so here's another one. 
Genesis 22, verses 2 and 3. So, uh, then God said, take your son Isaac. He's talking to Abraham. Then God said, take your son Isaac, your only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Moriah, not Moriah, not like Carrie, not like the singer. Anyway, there, there, offer him as a burnt offering on one of the heights that I will point out to you. Early the next morning, Abraham saddled his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. After cutting the wood for the burnt offering, set out for the place of which God told him. Now, <clears throat> here's why I like this verse in terms of yeah, thinking about... Yeah, tell me about, why you like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> thinking it's, about parenting, I'm not sure I like it. So can It's we... not the way you're thinking, I promise. It's No, it's because... As parents, I think so often we put an unfair amount of pressure on ourselves when it comes to raising our children, when it comes to anything, taking care of our children. Obviously, it's an insane amount of work and effort, but we need to remember to put God before our children. Our love of God comes before our love of our children. And that we should be willing to do anything that God says and, and you know calls of us when, when it comes to raising our children. And it can be so difficult to look at the burdens and the, you know, what the world says, you know, throws at us with our child raising. Uh, and then to, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to back up and to say, God is calling me to this. And it's, it's my duty to say yes. It's my role to say yes. And to have that yes no matter how difficult it is. And it gets very difficult to say that yes. But I, I like that reminder of that yes to God, to put God first, and to do what God has called us to do in regards to parenting our children, um, no uh, matter how difficult it may be. You didn't think I was going okay, there, Okay, all right, all right. So like trust in, you know, cause I just imagine Abraham being like, what the heck, God, you know? You gave me this kid and now you want me to do this, but like trusting in God even when you don't understand or it's really hard. Yeah, okay, I can accept that. Two things about this verse. One, um, <clears throat> when I was in youth ministry, I took a bunch of Bible verses or a Bible, bunch of Bible characters, and I wrote made-up situations for them, like uh, Abraham and Isaac in the car on the way home from that incident. Oh. And so I gave those out as scenarios to teenagers, oh, and they had to come up with skits. And it happened to be two brothers ended up, and they did a great job acting out. They were like, thanks, Dad. Yeah, really? It was, it was just, everybody enjoyed it. It was great. But I learned somewhere a few months ago that based on the timeline of things, there's a very good chance that Isaac was a grown adult by the time this happened, which would say that he was actually presenting to this. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow. So anyway, I don't know where I even heard that, but if it's true, it puts the story in a slightly different perspective. So anyway, what else do you have for both us? of their faith. Yeah, that's incredible. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so the next one, um, it's not like a particular verse, but it is a, a word kind of that I hang on to from scripture. So it's the word uh, beloved, and particularly uh, when the word beloved is used by the Apostle Paul, like in the beginning of his letters, especially his letters when he's about to yell at someone <laughs> and he's about to correct them. Um, so at the beginning of Romans, um, so Romans chapter 1, 
Um, he says, I, Paul, to all God's beloved in Rome, uh, blah, blah, blah. Grace to you in peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he uses it again in, in Corinthians. And I think he uses it multiple times in his letters. But I have this one written down in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, verse 4. Um, he, he was writing him a letter and he is <laughs> reaming out the Corinthians. He's letting them have it. And he says, though, I'm writing this not to make you ashamed. So that's 1 Corinthians 4, 14, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Um, and so I just think that it's so powerful when I read the letters of Paul and he's talking to them and he says, my beloved, my beloved children, you know, he, he's like, he's their, um, you know, their father figure. He's their leader here in these churches. And then He's not afraid to tell them, like, you done this wrong, you done that wrong, like, shape up, get your act together. Um, but as a parent, I truly, I, I really try to remember that whenever I have to um, correct my children and discipline my children, um, to first of all, let them know that they're loved. And I, for a while, I went through this, like, I had to practice this, like, pausing, you know, getting myself down on their level, looking them in the eye, and then speaking to them, not be like, wow, 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 why did you do what you did, but speaking to them calmly and being like, listen, I love you, you know, being calm, letting them know they're loved and then saying, okay, do you understand why you can't do this or whatever, diving into the discipline from there. Um, but just the fact that Paul opens his letters, you know, start with love, opens his letters with beloved and then move on to tackling whatever problems it is you need to tackle. Like it's, I'm not good at it but it's a reminder and something that I work on and I actively like try to do. I, I St. Paul inspires me to try to do this. I have a fly flag. <laughs> I honestly thought that I was just seeing things. I didn't realize the fly was actually there. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Um, so the next one I have is John chapter two verses one to five. Now this is the wedding at Cana. And again, this is not what you're going to think I'm going to say. I bet. But, okay, well, let's see. Well, we'll see. Um, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Uh, first of all, third day, because if you read the first and second chapter of John, it's actually recreating um, Genesis in the first seven days. Okay. Um, so when this is on the third day, it's the third day after the last day he mentioned. So this would actually be the day that this would be the sixth day of the week. So this would be Adam oh. and Eve. So okay. we get we get John is is mirroring Genesis and the wedding at Cana is Adam and Eve. And this okay. is the first miracle. And this is when we see Jesus referred to as woman, as in the new Eve, which we will get. To. I'll get to more of that in a second. But, um, yeah, first two chapters of John reflect the, the days of creation. So on the third day means three more days from what I just said. It means the next. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jesus and his disciples were also invited, which I love that. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding, as if Mary was invited. Oh, Jesus also got invited. I don't think that's what they meant, but I, I, I just enjoy that. Like Jesus was the afterthought there. Um, when, the, when the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, do whatever he tells you. Now, why I love this 
passage in regards to parenting is when he refers to, as I said before, when he refers to his mother as woman, he's not saying woman in some sort of a condescending way or just referring to her by her gender. He is reflecting that of Eve. So he is calling her the new Eve. He understands her role in his life. He understands her role in <clears throat> in the world. And while it is so difficult for our children to understand our role as parents, uh, it's important that one, we we work hard to earn their essentially respect and that so they can see we are that person, that authority, that loving authority. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so it's important that we raise up our children to see that uh, and to be those examples. And it's important for children to develop that over time. Um, and then the do whatever he tells you. First of all, if I remember this correctly, that's the last thing we hear from Mary in the scriptures, which to me very clearly says she's wow. not just she's not talking to. Yeah, she says that to the, uh, the people, the servers. She's talking to all of us. That's the a last, message, huh? Yeah. Wow. The last thing we hear from the Blessed Mother, <laughs> do whatever he tells you. Like, yes, mom. Yes. You know, like, okay, I will. Um, <laughs> and so just those sorts of things really strike me as being incredibly relevant and deep and powerful and important to, uh, I don't know, parenting. Anyway. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's <laughs> what good. Do you, what else you got? Okay. So, all right. So another thing that I like um, in terms of parenting, uh, I like that none of the ones that I, <laughs> I noticed that none of the ones that I picked here are actual like the Bible um, parenting advice ones. <laughs> you know, it's just like random other verses that really, they, they strike me in, in how I parent and how I live. Okay. So I'm, I'm one, not sure. I'm not sure that Abraham and Isaac is a lot of parent advice, but anyway, that's <laughs> No, yours aren't either. Most of yours are not like the Bible uh, standard, like Bible parenting advice. No. Spare, spare the rod and I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, the Acts of the Apostles. So we're talking about uh, the early church, the first converts. Um, you know, Jesus went back to heaven and they're trying to figure out how to live as the church. Um, and so Acts chapter two, uh, verses 38 through 42. So it's kind of long, but I want to highlight for you a couple things that really stick out to me. So Peter's talking, um, to the early church and he says, you know, repent, be baptized. Uh, your sins will be forgiven. You'll receive the gift of the Holy spirit. And then he says to the, the people in the early church, uh, this promise that when you get baptized, you know, your sins will be forgiven and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far, far away, everyone whom the Lord calls to him. Um, and he keeps talking to them. And, and it says many of them were baptized. About 3,000 people were baptized. So this like, boom, the early church is exploding here. And what did they do? Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Um, so when I look at this, this to me, like this is the life of the early church, right? They got baptized. They entered into this whole new way of this radical new way of life. And this is how they lived. They followed the apostles teaching. Uh, they lived in fellowship with one another in community. Uh, they stayed fast to the breaking of the bread. So that's the mass. Um, and to the prayers. So to me, like this tells me how we should be living as the domestic church. Um, you know, how our family, our little Christian community here of our family 
should be living in our own home and in relationship, like, you know, to our parish and, and to the people in our community. So I, I think that this reminds me that it's important to have a prayer life as a family. You know, the very last thing in that list, they, they were devoted to the prayers, um, to be devoted to having a prayer life, you know, growing in our prayer life, understanding what prayer really is, uh, to making the mass important in our life and and you know in our week and also living liturgically as much as we can celebrating uh the feast days even when we're not going to mass like on a weekday if there's a feast day that we can just like say i mean even just start by saying hey it's the feast of saint therese like that's a start you're you're entering into liturgical living um into putting yourself in union with the mass um and then just staying faithful to the church to what the apostles teach to what the success of the apostles teach, the Pope and the bishops. Um, and then last of all, especially uh, fellowship. I strongly believe, you know, that we are made for a relationship with one another. And so I think it's important that we're involved, like in our parish community, our homeschool community, in our neighborhood, um, you know, in bringing Christ to the world and in having these relationships that help spread Catholicism. Um, so I don't know, I find that like how the early church was living, I find that really inspiring to tell us how our family should be living. I, I love I love the example or the suggestion of, um, you know, oh, hey, today's the feast of St. Therese, today's the feast of St. Faustina, just that kind of reminder. Here's where I struggle with that. I usually don't figure that out till I see, I pick up, you know, I'll open Instagram at 6 p.m. and I start scrolling through real quick and I'm like, Oh, somebody posted something about St. Faustina. Oh, somebody else posted something about St. Faustina. Oh, somebody. Oh, it must be her feast day. Like, so I, I need to be more attentive to that rather than figure it out well, via Instagram Well, watch out because Instagram has been showing me feast days like two days later. And I'm like, oh, yeah, St. Faustina. I'm like, oh, wait, that was two days ago. Like, oh. nothing on Instagram. I needed that. Um, but do you have like a liturgical planner? Like a liturgical I, uh, I mean, I have a no. calendar that I need to pay closer attention. I have a, I need, it's, yeah. it's on the calendar. I just yeah. don't look at it. That's yeah. so, so yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. Uh, but I like that. I like that. Okay. I have, I have two more. Okay. Um, one is, uh, Matthew six thirty four. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. And that's, that's in a section, um, uh, a section in scripture that is labeled, you know, there's got, they broke them up into these little things and got little headings yeah, above right. them it says dependence on God. And okay. I think far too often, I mean, I, I what you said before about uh, community is so important, so underestimated. I, I heard somebody say not too long ago that, you know, you think about these, uh, these early Christians and it was easy. He was speaking about the men, but he was saying, you know, the, the, the men, it was Easier for them to say, let me go out, speak the truth, even if I am killed for it, because they knew that their families were going to be taken care of by the Christian community that they were a part of. Um, we lack that in many ways today. Right. Um, and so I, I cannot underestimate the, the importance of Christian community or underemphasize the importance yeah, right. of uh, Christian community. Uh, but also at the same time, we need to be careful about dependence on self, dependence on uh, technology, dependence on whatever it may be. Um, the idea of if I, you know, oh, I, I lost a job. I mean, we've, I'll, I shouldn't say we all, a lot of us have been through a losing a job situation, either us or our spouse or both, and that it can be terrifying. I've been there. It's really scary. But 
we need to then be dependent on God. We need to then trust in God that God will provide. And it's easy to say that as like a platitude, something bad happens and it's like, oh, God will provide. And it's like, well, that doesn't help me right now. Like that doesn't make me feel any better because it's almost said so casually. But if we can truly develop this idea, this this not idea, this sense, this understanding, this just within us, a belief, a core belief that God will care for us, maybe not in the way we desire or ask for, but that God that we God is taking care of us, that God's got it handled. And that I, I joke, my mom jokes about this. My twin sister and I were born on the same day because we're twins. And uh, then my dad, one of the first things he said later that day was, um, what if they go to different high schools, meaning an all guys and all girls high school and graduate on the same day? And my mom said, can we focus on today or something like that? <laughs> and my dad was a wonderful man. I, I miss him every day. He's so, yeah. he so wise. He was so smart. Um, and it was it's just a funny little memory, <laughs> not of mine, but that I've been told a story, that, yeah. a story that. He, he had a sudden thought about what about 18 years from now, as yeah. opposed to can we get through today? Like, and as soon as my mom said that, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be yeah. here. Let's do this. No and so I just I love that story so much um, because it really does highlight our our habit to then go to the future, go to tomorrow, go to 18 yeah. years from now, as yeah. opposed to saying I'm here and I trust that whatever's yeah. happening in the future, God's already there and knows what's going on. So. Um, uh, my counselor once told me that uh, anxiety happens when we get stuck in the future. We allow uh, ourselves to get stuck in the future. And depression is what happens when we allow ourselves to get stuck in the past. I don't know how scientifically true that is, but it was a good analogy for me at the time. But I buy yeah, it. our worries are in the future and in the past. Like, stick with today. Uh, I buy that. Um, last one real quick, because you're you've done all yours, right? I'm done. Yeah. All right. Good. I got one more real quick. And it's Proverbs 22, 6. And it just says, train the young in the way they should go. Even when even when old, they will not swerve from it. And I like this. Is this is the standard Bible advice I was waiting for this whole episode. <laughs> it is. It's This is the, if you Google Bible parents, whatever, this is what comes up for the first 4,000 hits or something. <laughs> but here's why I like it. Because it's so easy to have a difficult day and say, how am I supposed to keep going tomorrow? Yeah. But when you realize that the fruits of your work are not today, but they are in the future, I think it's easier to say, okay, I can keep going through this. I can persevere through this, knowing that the fruits of my work, I don't see them now, but they will be seen. They will be present. So um, that's what I like about that. I like that. Um, yeah. Keep in so, your eyes, you know, okay, the goal is keep training them now. They'll hold on to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So we want to thank everybody for listening and watching today's episode. Um, thanks again to our sponsor, Deanna Bartolini, uh, an everyday Catholic. Go check out her faith and scripture study courses at, well, we'll put the link in because I, uh, Deanna Bartolini. Deanna Bartolini.com. We'll put the yeah. link. <laughs> um, please subscribe to the audio and video podcast. Sarah, where can people find you? To JesusSincerely.com and on social media at to Jesus Sincerely. And you can find me at chastelove.org or on Instagram and Facebook at the Chaste Love. Now, if your kids aren't listening, create a video. 
telling them what, what you need them to hear. Upload it to YouTube and pull it up on your phone and they will instantly come running and want to see what you're watching. And remember, you're never alone. That's a good one. <laughs> Might actually do that.